Congregation, please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter 3, it can be found on page 1490 in your pew Bibles. We're going to start at verse 13 this morning, and if we were to look at at what's come before our passage in this book, we'd see God rebuke his people a lot for their sin and show them how they were supposed to live. And that's really the main focus of the book of Malachi, pointing out the people's sin, showing them how they were to live. And he starts off in chapter 1, showing them how God's love is on them, and that really provides the basis for this book. God's love is on his people, and they're supposed to live in certain ways. Supposed to bring good sacrifices of their lives, we see at the end of chapter 1. God's people are supposed to provide true instruction, chapter 2. They're supposed to have good marriages, chapter 2. They're supposed to promote justice, chapter 3. And they're supposed to tithe with trusting, loving, generous hearts, also chapter 3. Really, all of these things that are supposed to shape our Christian walk. But so often, like us, the people of Malachi's day were questioning if it was worth it. They were thinking that it wasn't really worth it to do what God had been telling them. And so as we turn to our text now, Malachi 3, verses 13 through 18, we'll see what these people have been saying. And we'll also see God's response to them. So let's read that now. Malachi 3, starting at verse 13. You have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said it is futile to serve God. What did we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly the evildoers prosper, and even those who challenge God escape. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. I will spare them, just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. This is the holy, inspired, and inerrant word of our God. May he bless it to us this morning. Congregation, in the last couple of years, I've started running to stay in shape. I needed to do something because I used to work on a farm and there I was always active, walking around the cows, carrying buckets, staying in shape. But then when I went to seminary, I sat behind a desk all day. So I needed to do something and I started running. Nothing too crazy, just a jog around the neighborhood in the mornings. And some days it goes great. Right? There's really good days where I'm running well, I go a long ways with a fast pace. Those are good days. But not every day is a good day. Well, there's bad days too, especially now that the weather's turning colder. I, I don't like to go out there as much. It's, it's hard to get out of bed and go, and when I'm out there, I only want to go a few blocks and then turn around and go back to bed. I start grumbling in my head, Ugh, this just isn't worth it. Well, people of God, the Bible tells us that living the Christian life is like running a race. 
Paul uses that language a lot, doesn't he? Fearing the Lord, obeying him, walking in accordance with his will, that's running the race that's set before us. And that's what we're supposed to do as followers of Jesus. But as we're going along on some bad days, we can be ready to quit too, right? It doesn't seem worth it sometimes. Well, that's what the people of Malachi's day were feeling. As we see in our passage this morning, following the Lord didn't seem worth it to them. And just like a runner having a bad day, their response was to grumble. They complained about it, that it didn't seem worth it to obey the Lord and do what he said. Yet the Lord shows his people that it is worth it. It is worth it. To those who serve him, it's to those who fear him, to those who do what he says, it is worth it because he is watching. He pays attention and he cares really deeply about those who serve him. That's the message of the Lord through the prophet Malachi this morning to these people. It says, fear the Lord This is our big idea. Fear the Lord, for he pays attention and cares for those who serve him. This is that encouragement that God gives to his frustrated people. So as we go into the text, let's look first at the apparent foolishness of fearing the Lord. Why it is that these people didn't think serving God was worth it. We see this in verses 13 through 15, and it starts with God bringing yet another charge against his people. They've been speaking out against him. They've been bad-mouthing God. Verse 13 says this, You have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. They've said harsh things. Their words have been hard. The words that they've been thinking in their minds, the words that they've been saying in their conversations with each other, they've been against the Lord. But how have they been against the Lord? What have they been saying? Well, we're not the only ones asking that. Israel does too, just like they question in this book pretty much every accusation the Lord brings against them. They say this, How have we said against you? What have we said against you? That's in verse 13. That's what they ask God. You you say, God, that our words have been hard against you. How? What have we said that's against you? They're contentious. They're not seeing their sin. They're blind to it. They don't think that they've done anything wrong. But even in that question, it shows the hardness of their words, doesn't it? God, you say that our words have been hard against you, and they say, no, no, they haven't. You you need to show us how. They throw God's word back in his face. But even more specific than that, God goes on to tell them what they've said. God goes to the tape, as it were. He puts the tape in, he rewinds, and he plays back what they've said, and he shows them how their words have been harsh. And what they've said basically boils down to this, that it's foolish to serve the Lord. Verse 14, you have said it is futile to serve God. It's futile, it's vain, it's useless. (coughs) Serving God is pointless. Then they go on to say this, What did we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? What did they gain by it? That's what they're asking. They look at what they were supposed to do, what God has commanded them to do, what Malachi has told them to do about their marriages, about their instruction, their worship, their tithing, every aspect of their lives, and they basically ask, okay, God, what are we going to get out of it? You say, do this, do this, do this, do this. Well, what's the profit 
What's in it for me? And in that question, we really see two main attitudes driving these Israelites. First, they've got a pragmatic attitude. They were treating religion like they were looking at a cost-benefit analysis. What's going to be the cost? What's going to be the benefit? And based on those, is it worth it? My service to God, obeying his statutes, bringing pure sacrifices, providing true instruction, honoring my marriage vows, bringing the full tithe, that's my service. And so when they make that evaluation on this cost side, they've got all of this toiling service to the Lord. And then on the benefit side, they're saying, eh, I've got nothing. In their minds, they've got this huge cost, and they're not really getting anything out of it. The cost outweighs the benefit. And that pragmatic attitude has left them thinking that serving the Lord is foolish. The second attitude they have was a selfish attitude. And the second attitude really flowed out of the first. Because in their pragmatic looking at the situation, what was their focus on? It was on themselves. They were focused on what the benefit was to them, what they could get out of their service to God. They were focused on themselves rather than on the God whom they were serving. They were really self-centered. They were focused on themselves. They were pragmatic and selfish, and that led to those hard words that they were thinking and saying. It's vain to serve God. What profit is it for us to keep his charge? But people of God, those aren't unfamiliar thoughts among us, are they? That it's not really worth it to serve God, not really worth it to walk the Christian walk. It's not unfamiliar thoughts to any of the people of God. Go back in Israel's history, they had those same thoughts too. Right? Israel had been led out of Egypt by God, and then they grumbled against him, right? Exodus 15. They crossed the Red Sea. They just had God display his salvation to them in a, a wonderful, magnificent way. And then they start grumbling. We've got no water. We've, we've got no food. It would be better for us, cost-benefit, it would be better for us if we were back in Egypt. And they had that same selfish attitude. They're looking at what it is, what they can get out of it what good it was for them. And they had that pragmatic attitude. They, they did that cost-benefit analysis and said it doesn't look worth it to keep following God of the promised land. It looks like we'd be better back off going back to Egypt. So these aren't unfamiliar thoughts, not even to the people of Israel. And they're not unfamiliar thoughts to us either. Right? Some of you might be having these same thoughts right now, thinking it's not worth it to be here worshiping with God's people. That it's not worth it to join via live stream. Right? We've got a busy week ahead of us <coughs> that we could be getting a head start on. Maybe your mind gets distracted. So you're not really hearing what's being said anyways. For, for Rachel and I, we've got young kids uh, that distract our attention throughout the service. It's, sometimes it doesn't feel worth it. It's easy to ask, what profit is it coming to worship this morning? What am I going to get out of it? Or it could play out more during the week. You're at work and you're tempted to be lazy instead of working diligently. Your Bible sits there on the nightstand as you turn on the light and go about your day. In your your work, in your relationships, in your day-to-day life, we can all think, 
What profit is it? What am I going to get out of staying true to God's word and following his will for my life? In that moment, when we do that cost-benefit analysis, it can seem foolish to fear the Lord, to obey him in our lives. It sure did to the people of Malachi's day. Those were the words running through their minds. Those were the words that were passing through their lips. But not only were they thinking that fearing the Lord was foolish, they were also thinking that its opposite was wise. They had switched around their values. Verse 15 says, But now we call the arrogant blessed. The arrogant, the proud, the people who didn't fear the Lord, they were the ones who were looking like they were blessed. And continuing on, Certainly the evildoers prosper, and even those who escape God, who, who challenge God, escape. It's the same complaint of the people that they had at the end of chapter 2. They said, everyone who does evil is good. God delights in them. They're saying, we know what it's supposed to look like, and it's not adding up. The people who do evil, the people who don't fear the Lord, those are the ones who are prospering. They've got the money, they've got the power, they've got the influence. They've got the nice house and the picture-perfect family. Everything's going great for them. Right before our passage, in, verse, uh, in the verses 9 through 11, God tells his people to put them, put them to the test. He says, bring, bring the full tithe to me. Put me to the test and I will bless you. Well, these people are saying that the wicked, they're looking at the wicked and they're saying, well, they've already tested God. The wicked keep sinning and sinning and God has done nothing about it. They've put God to the test and they've escaped. And so they're really saying that God is all talk and he's no action. It looks like everything is going for the way of the wicked and God is doing nothing about it. It's really the same thing that the psalmist was feeling in Psalm 73. He looked at the wicked, at at these people who didn't fear the Lord or walk in his ways and they looked like they were doing great. And he says this, verse 3 of Psalm 73, I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He was envious of the wicked because it seemed, like not, it seemed like they not only prospered, but they put God to the test and they escaped. It didn't seem worth it to follow the ways of the Lord. In fact, it just looked like foolishness. Well, we can still be envious of the wicked, can't we? We can look out and see the people who don't fear the Lord, the people who don't give two hoots for the thing of the church, for walking the Christian walk, and it seems like they are the ones living the good life. They've got tons of money. They hang out with the prettiest people. They go to the nicest places. And you can think of celebrities, movie stars, athletes. You can think of the people just down the street who run a business that aren't afraid to cut corners. You can think of our ungodly neighbors who do whatever they want without a care in the world. We can be envious of them, can't we? Because it seems like that's where it's at and that it's foolish to fear the Lord. But congregation, even though it may appear that way right now, that it makes more sense to do your own thing instead of fearing the Lord, that's not the case. These are hard words. Hard thoughts against the Lord. And he rebukes the Israelites for these words because they're not true. They're only seeing the apparent foolishness of fearing the Lord. That's what it looks like at the moment. But looks can be deceiving. 
And so here at the last part of chapter 3, Malachi provides encouragement for those feeling discouraged by the apparent foolishness of fearing the Lord. For those thinking that walking in his ways wasn't worth it, in verses 16 through 18, Malachi shows us our second point, the actual wisdom of fearing the Lord. And he points out that not all the Israelites have been having these hard words, these hard thoughts against the Lord. Not all of the Israelites have these pragmatic and selfish attitudes. They all haven't been envious of the wicked success. Instead, there are some who have been fearing the Lord. Verse 16, Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. They talked with each other. They've been gathering together. And instead of speaking out against the Lord, they've been speaking together in faith. They've been gathering together, and right here we have a beautiful picture of the fellowship of the saints. When things are tough, when it doesn't seem worth it, where did these people go? They went to each other, to encourage each other. It's a beautiful picture of Hebrews 3. It says, Exhort one another every day that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It's a picture of Hebrews 10. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, but encouraging one another. The church of God, the body of Christ, gathering together, encouraging each other to remain faithful to the Lord, to fear him and to serve him. Brothers and sisters, this is what the church should look like. Because walking the Christian walk is hard work. Make no mistake about that. Walking the Christian walk is hard work, and so we need each other's encouragement. So let's not be afraid to go with our problems and struggles to each other. That's what we're here for. We're here to help support each other, to encourage each other as we travel along instead of getting sidetracked and grumbling. We're here to encourage each other to fear the Lord. And that's what we see here in Malachi. They're they're gathering together. They're encouraging each other. And so there are some that fear the Lord, and Malachi points that out. And these seem to be the foolish people, aren't they? They they seem to be getting passed by the world, going 85 in the fast lane, but, but Malachi shows their wisdom, the wisdom that they are showing in fearing the Lord. And there's wisdom here because the Lord is watching. Middle of verse 16, it says, And the Lord listened and heard. God is paying attention to these people who fear him. They're not going unnoticed. They're not being ignored. No, God is watching. And because he's watching, they can take comfort. He's taking note of what they're doing. Finishing off verse 16, a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. A book of remembrance. Kings of Persia during the time of Malachi, had these books of remembrance. And we read about one in the book of Esther. You remember the story of Esther. She was a Jew. She was married to the king, and a man named Haman wanted to kill all of her people. And And Haman didn't really like her uncle, a guy named Mordecai, and Haman was all ready to get rid of Mordecai and kill him. But that very night... The king couldn't sleep, and since he couldn't turn on the TV and see what was on, instead he had a book book brought to him and read to him. It was a book of remembrance. 
It was a book of memorable deeds, and Mordecai was in there for saving the king's life before. And because his name was in there, Mordecai was rewarded. What Mordecai did, his actions were noticed and remembered. And that's the kind of book that Malachi is talking about here. A book to remember the deeds of the people who fear the Lord. God is watching them. And he's taking note as they walked that walk, even when it didn't seem worth it. So when it doesn't seem worth it to you, when it's hard to keep going, remember that God is watching. And be encouraged as you rest from your labors on the Lord's day. As you work with integrity week in and week out. As you try to love your neighbor as yourself. When it doesn't seem worth it, remember that the Lord is watching and he's taking note and and be encouraged to fear the Lord and keep serving him in spite of any difficult circumstances you might be facing. And be encouraged because God is not only watching and taking note right now. No, he's also going to bless those who fear him in the future. Speaking of those who fear him in the future, God says this in verse 17, They will be mine says the Lord Almighty. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves them. Treasured possession. We all have some form of a treasured possession, don't we? That thing that we value above everything else that we'd grab out of the house if there's a flood or a fire. Right? It might be a piece of jewelry that's been passed down through generations of your family. A clock, a piece of furniture. For me, it's a scrapbook of memories that Rachel and I have. We all have some form of treasured possession that we value and that we keep safe. Well, people, God has a treasured possession too. And it's not a piece of jewelry or a clock or a scrapbook. No, it's his people. God's treasured possession is those who fear him. He calls his people his treasured possession. Exodus 19, at the foot of Mount Sinai, God says to the people of Israel, if you will indeed obey my commandments, or obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples. It's a covenant term. The people who fear the Lord, who obey his voice and keep his covenant, they are his treasured possession. They're the ones on whom he places his love and affection, whom he values and keeps safe. And that means that even though things might look bad right now, even though it appears foolish to fear the Lord, God cares for those who serve him. He cares for those who fear him. And in Malachi's day, they were scattered, these people who feared him. They, they weren't the majority. They were the minority. They were scattered. They were in the midst of those who had hard words about God. And in our day, too, those who fear God are scattered among those who don't. It's the wheat and the tares, as Jesus said, growing up together. God's treasured possession in the midst of others, but even though they're scattered right now, even though they're outnumbered right now, and it doesn't seem worth it to fear the Lord, he pays attention to them, and he will gather them, and and they will be his. On that final day, Malachi says, end of verse 17, I will spare them, just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. And the reason he will spare his people is not because they deserve it. Not because they served him perfectly or they feared him perfectly. 
but he will spare them because of Jesus. God spares his people, the elect, his treasured possession. He spares them because he did not spare his son, the one who did perfectly serve him, the one who did perfectly fear him and esteem his name. The Lord spares his people because he did not spare his son, but gave him up for us on the cross. You see, it was at the cross that the apparent foolishness of fearing the Lord reached its climax. Right here was Jesus, right? The Son of God who feared the Lord in everything he did and served the Lord his entire life. He was sentenced to die by evil men, hanging in agony under the curse. Watching that scene play out on that day, it sure looked like it was vain to serve God that it was futile to serve the Lord. As Jesus died on the cross, one could ask what the prophet was of keeping the charge of the Lord or of walking before the Lord Almighty. On that day, it looked like the arrogant were blessed and that evildoers were prospering, putting God to the test and escaping. It looked like evil had won on that day and that fearing the Lord was foolishness. But that's the thing with the apparent foolishness of fearing the Lord. It only looks like it. It only appears that way in the moment. It only appeared that way on the cross. It only appeared that way to the people of Israel grumbling in the desert. It only appeared that way to the psalmist at the beginning of Psalm 73. It only appeared that way in Malachi's day. Each of these situations had a very limited perspective on what what it looked like to fear the Lord. But when that perspective is expanded, right, you go from the camera being zoomed in on that small focus of the cross, of the grumbling, of the evil prospering, of the apparent foolishness, and then you zoom out to the large frame of the purpose of the Lord God Almighty. That's when we see the actual wisdom of fearing the Lord. You see, the cross might have looked foolish, but God used it to accomplish his purpose of providing salvation to his people. 1 Corinthians 1, the cross looks like folly, but actually it's the wisdom of God. For the Israelites in the desert, following the Lord's instructions might have been difficult to follow in the moment. But there was definitely wisdom in it when they looked ahead to that final destination, to the promised land, that land flowing with milk and honey. And for the psalmist, too, in that moment, it looked foolish to fear the Lord because it appeared that the wicked were flourishing. But when he looked ahead, when he zoomed out and saw that bigger perspective and he looked ahead to their final destination, he saw the wisdom of fearing the Lord. And in Malachi's day, too, when it seemed foolish to fear the Lord, Malachi zoomed out and he looked ahead to the future destination of those who feared the Lord and to the future destination of those who didn't. And he saw the wisdom of fearing the Lord. Because when he looked ahead to that day, when the Lord makes up his treasured possession and spares his people, verse 18, and you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. There you see the distinction. And that coming distinction between the righteous and the wicked, it's more clearly defined in chapter 4 when Malachi talks about that great day of the Lord. But right here, it's clear that because of that future distinction, 
Because of what's going to happen, Israel should fear the Lord right now. Because there's wisdom in looking to the future, to see that end result when evaluating present decisions. It's wise to zoom out, to see the bigger perspective. We can think about this in terms of finances. When I first preached this sermon this summer in South Dakota, I gave this example to the kids in the congregation. I gave them two options to choose from. Option one, I'd give them a $5 bill right now. They choose option one, they get $5. And then I gave them a second option, and that was to get a quarter every day for a month. And then I asked them, how many of you would choose option one, the $5 right now? And how many of you would choose option two, the the quarter every day for a month? And a lot of them were really excited about that first option, the $5 right now. Because $5 is a lot more than a quarter. But they were having that narrow perspective, weren't they? They were only looking on the here and now when that perspective widened out. If they looked at that whole picture, a few of those kids were pretty wise and they did that. And they saw that they'd get more by having a quarter every day for a month. They'd end up with $7 instead of 5 You see, it's wise to look to the future, to see what the end result is going to be when you're thinking about what you're doing. And so having that broader perspective, when we're faced with a choice of fearing the Lord and not fearing the Lord, we see that it is wise to fear the Lord. The rest of Scripture is very clear about this too. We read Psalm 111 as our call to worship. And at the end of that psalm, it says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. Proverbs 1, 2, that, that book of wisdom, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Scripture is clear that it is wise to fear the Lord, even though it might not look like it in the moment. And that's why the Lord encourages us with texts like these, because fearing the Lord often appears foolish. And so, congregation, if fearing the Lord looks foolish to you this morning, if you're wondering if it's really worth it to serve the Lord as you gather for worship each Lord's Day, as you work faithfully in this world every week, as we live in communion with another, if you're wondering if it's really worth it to fear the Lord, then be encouraged. Be encouraged. It is wise to fear the Lord, for he pays attention and he cares for all those who serve him. They're his treasured possession, and he will spare them on that final day of distinction. May the Spirit grant us that broader perspective that we'll see the wisdom in fearing the Lord, and may he empower us to do so. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would give us such wisdom. We confess that we, are not, that we are often tempted to question if serving you is worth it. It can seem foolish to our eyes in the moment. But Lord, we pray that you would let us not use our own eyes' wisdom. Give us your wisdom, wisdom from above, so that we can see how wise it is to fear you. Give us that fear so that we might be wholeheartedly willing and ready to live for Christ in every aspect of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. People of God, our song of response is number 222 in the Blue Psalter hymnal. O give 
the Lord wholehearted praise. We'll sing the first three verses and the last two. 